coming in as Lube. Hillendike centered it. This hour, it is Monday, April 3rd with NHL.com's best, Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Save. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. And, of course, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mr. Vickers. Yes? I asked this question broadly. I asked it to you. I asked it to the text line. How are we feeling about Calgary's goaltending right now? Because I'm curious as to how the text line is feeling. Goaltending is this strange underlying topic going into the playoffs. Now, I know they got to get there. But it's this strange underlying topic that keeps on coming up. You know, if they get there, will the goaltending be good enough? Can Jacob Markstrom be what they need him to be come the postseason? Can Dan Vladar, if they need to call on him, be what they need him to be come the postseason? And that was not the world's best goaltending night on either side Sunday between the Flames and the Ducks. Nine goals combined. I don't think that was Lucas Dostal's um, signature moment. And obviously Markstrom allows two on nine, gets pulled. Vladar comes in. Allows two on nine. Allows two on nine. And I thought, you know, I I didn't think either guy was super dialed. It just was not a great goaltending. It was not It was not a showcase All of goaltending around, yeah. on, on Sunday. First question. What do we think of the decision to yank Markstrom after 20 minutes of play? I mean, I was surprised. I don't think he was as bad as others in that first period. He allowed two on nine, yes. First one was uh, a 50-50 on a really good zone entry by the Anaheim Ducks. If uh, you have Frank Vitrano loading up from the slot, to me, it's a 50-50 puck. And would you like to have it? Yes. Did he? No. Second one, pinballs through his pads and trickles over the line. I bet you he wants that one back. But he did stop Max Jones on a clear-cut breakaway at a key time in the game. So when you broke it to me, actually, you broke the news to me that Dan Vladar was starting the second period because I didn't peek over my my ledge, just scrolling through Twitter. You tweet out Dan Vladar and net to start the second period and went, huh, okay, that's interesting. I don't know if it necessarily would have been. I my do. Move. I do have the. I do have because I sit on the other side as you. I look right at their tunnel, so I saw Bauer coming out, and I was like, "Wait a second! You've learned and and, and You've learned. just while we're." Thanks to Aaron Vickers, it's really hard to tell goaltenders, especially tall goaltenders, apart. It's right? Not. It can be very difficult if you're not a goalie go- goalie guru or goalie nerd. And I say nerd in the you know there are you're a big I'm a gear goalie guy, right? Gear nut. You love goalie gear. I couldn't care less, right? So I had to learn. And you were like, well, and so a lot of guys on different teams use different, not just different looking gear, but different brands. And one's a CCM guy, one's a Bauer guy. That's how Aaron Vickers taught me to differentiate goaltenders. I digress. So I saw Bauer coming out of the stall. I'm like, that's not Jacob. That's number 80. And then I looked on the arm just to confirm. I was like, yep, that's a zero. So that's Dan Vladar who's coming out to start the game. Um, 
I, I, I actually I give Willsey credit because Derek in the intermission was like, I wonder if they, Jacob just doesn't look comfortable. I wonder if they make that move. And they did. Uh, I wasn't actually thinking that until Derek brought it up. And I was like, yeah, you know what? He didn't look super comfortable. And, and I honestly wonder again what the fatigue level is for Jacob here. They've been riding him a lot over the last month. Yep. And goalies sometimes get fatigued. And I think that there is a lot of value in knowing when a guy is a little off potentially because of wear and tear. And there's a lot of value in being comfortable in going to your other guy. And to Dan's credit, he picked up another win. And he has, even though his save percentage is not sparkling and goaltending has not been a chief strength of the Flames this year, Vladar has shown the ability to win games when they've put him in. And especially in that number two role, he's shown the ability to be able to give him a chance. He gave him a chance against the Ducks. That's why I go to, because we're talking about Jacob being fatigued, to me, I'm actually quite adamant again to go to Vladar against Tuesday against uh, against the Blackhawks on Tuesday. Rather, I think that's the right call. I have no idea what they're they're going to do, but I think that's the right call. To circle back to your original question, yes, I was surprised at the move coming in, out of the first intermission. I would have hind- been had it not been for Wills. In hindsight, it makes absolutely great sense if you're concerned about the rest and the recovery of Jacob Markstrom. Because if and if, because we won't know until Tuesday. If Dan Vladar starts against the Chicago Blackhawks, Jacob Markstrom has five periods of rest and re- I don't want to say relaxation, but rest and relaxation. Rest and recovery. Recovery to prepare for what is the biggest game of the season at the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday. Gives him a whole bunch of recovery time. Let's him reset, refocus. Maybe he does a little extra work on Jet stuff between now and then. But given the big picture, I certainly go back to Dan Vladar on Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks, and I certainly go to Jacob Markstrom Wednesday against the Winnipeg Jets. Just how this all sets up and with how the schedule looks after Winnipeg on Wednesday, you can ride out Jacob Markstrom for the remaining games of the season as well. Or the remaining meaningful Meaningful games. games. And and that's not to suggest that um, they're going to get eliminated. It's more They're all meaningful. Every game matters. If they're clinched or eliminated by game 82, I'm safe to say that that game doesn't matter. <laughs> what time is it? It's go time. Thank you. That's another inside joke between Pat and I. We used to always just ask each other the whatever the current Flames slogan is for the season. A little text, little tap on the shoulder. Uh, what time is it, Pat? It's go time. This for the Calgary Flames, it is. It, well, right now it absolutely yeah. is. Now, that's not their slogan the last couple of years. The Sea of Red lives here. It's like, where's Where, the sea of red live? It yeah. doesn't roll off the tongue quite as good for our purposes, I mean. But you for gotta, our ridiculous purposes. Got to keep the tradition up. So are you, you're in agreement with me then that it would make sense to go Vladar, then Markstrom in Winnipeg, and then... And then Markstrom, all... Markstrom until the games aren't meaningful anymore. And so that means Markstrom, if it's game 79, sorry, 80, I guess it'd be... Yeah, 78. So if it's game 80, 81, 82, and they're all meaningful, then you go Jacob. If it's only game 80 and 81, then you're Jacob for those. If it's game 80, 81, 82, and then game one of the playoffs and beyond. like I think you're playing after the Winnipeg game or even after Tuesday's game against Chicago. I think you're Markstrom starting for the rest of the, for the, rest of the season or the rest of the meaningful games unless something unforeseen happens. Now, where are you at on Markstrom's game? Because I know last week we had this discussion. And Funny, since I have that March 1st, right here. 
He has a 303 goals against and an 895 save percentage. Allowed 43 goals on 409 shots. I'm going to cherry pick his gaming in April. Hey, text line 960-960, tell him he can't cherry pick. Tell him he can't cherry pick. He hasn't let in a goal in April if you take away the one start he had in April. Wow. He hasn't allowed a goal. No, I, I, that's a callback to last week. Um, so we have the argument, I believe it was Friday, that we were talking about Very Jacob. Much so. And then I, I haven't, I have not loved it. You know, I did not think that he was like to blame for them being down two nothing and four three in Vancouver, but it was still four on twenty, uh, and then obviously two on nine. And again, I, there's a little fatigue setting in. So I'm feeling generally better about Markstrom's game. I don't know if I'm as okay. adamant as I was on Friday afternoon after what we've seen on the weekend, but I still think Jacob. If you go back to the month of March. I still think Jacob has been one of their better players by and large. And there's been a few off nights, but the entire body of work, I think he's been one of their better players over the last month and a bit. Here's what I know. They need him to be that in his remaining meaningful starts. And I think the best way to get him to be that is if you start Vladar on Tuesday against Chicago, you still, even though the games mean everything and we're down to crunch time, I believe you still have to manage your number one goaltender's time. So I'm I'm still feeling better, much better about the way Jacob's playing, and I'm feeling confident that he will be where he needs to be Wednesday against Winnipeg, especially if you start Vladar Tuesday against Chicago. I really like that time management phrase because if you surf on over to NHL.com and you click stats and you click goalies and you go since March 1st, click the time on ice tab, no goalie has played more in the NHL since March 1st than Jacob Markstrom. 851 minutes and really, 28 eh? seconds. UC Saros is second, understandably, because again, Nashville's right there. 834 minutes. Third, Connor Hellebuck, 819.47. So the, so the three teams, teams in the thick of this second wild card chase, their respective starting goalies are the top three minute munchers in the league since March one. So fittingly, it works out. And to me, Jacob Markstrom's your guy if you're the Calgary Flames. He's the one that you're hitching your wagon to, for if, better or worse. For better or worse. And I think, and I think that's fair. Like if you're put yourself in Daryl Sutter's shoes, like okay, head coach Aaron Vickers behind the bench for the Calgary Flames. I think if I'm in your shoes. Your guy that was a Vesna Trophy runner-up last year, yep. your $6 million guy, yep. the guy with the proven starter's resume, yep. even though he's fighting it and, and has not had his best season, maybe he's having his worst season in the NHL, I still think you feel more comfortable going down with your guy. And maybe he gets you there, maybe he doesn't, but... I'm with you. If I was a coach, that's the way I'd be going about it, and that's not a knock on Dan at all because I'm a huge Vladar fan, and you go back about a, just over a month ago, and I was kind of the opinion that, yeah, you know what? You still got to give Vladar a chance to win this thing back. But where we are now and the way Markstrom played for the most part in March, I think you go down or get there with your guy. And I think you feel more comfortable knowing that you went with your guy and you don't make it than if you don't make it and you went with uh, another option. And again, that, that sounds like I'm knocking Vladar. And if you've listened to this show at all, you know, that's not the case. I just think Jacob is the proven guy despite his struggles this year. So yeah, I think you ride, you ride or die with your guy. Rhyme unintended. 
I don't think it's even really a conversation or a debate in my coaching room as to who the goalie would be. You dance with the person you brought. You brought Jacob Markstrom to the tune of six years, six years, 36 million? Six years, 36 million. That's your guy. Whether it's the remaining four games, five games of the regular season, again, with the situation, you go Vladar against Chicago. So the four games after that, meaningful. You go Jacob Markstrom, and if by some chance you manage to leapfrog the Winnipeg Jets and you land in that first wild card spot and you're playing the number one seed in the Western Conference, Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. And you know what? If it goes sideways, like what we saw in round two versus Edmonton last May. Dustin Wolf? No. I just think you're a little bit you're a little bit quicker to go the other way. You know, I, I think back to, and I don't think we're quite at this spot, but I think back to Vancouver en route to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2011. Does anybody remember how many games Roberto Luongo didn't start in Round 1 against Chicago? Luongo got the seat, I think, for two, if not three games in that series. They started Schneider at least twice, I want to say, in that series against Chicago, where the Hawks almost, and I, damn it, in hindsight, how awesome would that have been? Anyway. Chicago turned a 0-3 deficit into a 3-3 and almost beat him in overtime in Game 7 when Jonathan Taves scored the game-tying goal in Vancouver in Game 7. And But they they ha- they went away from Luongo in a playoff series and let him get right, brought him back, and then obviously it was Lou for the rest of the way. But I guess my point is, with what you've seen from Vladar, I think the team is more confident with him in net this year compared to last. I think the coaching yep. staff is more confident with him compared this year to last. So if they do get in and things do go sideways and Jacob does look tired or does not look like he's on his game, I think you're a little less stubborn to stay with them and it's a little bit easier to make that change. At least I hope that's the case. Riddle me this. I'm going to ask you a question because your memory is better than mine, but then I'm going to give a little bit of a preamble to stall for time for you. What was the target number of games played and starts for Dan Vladar this season? And I will stall now and say he's got a 2.91 goals against versus Jacob Markstrom's 2.98 this season. 8.95 save percentage for Vladar, 8.90 for Markstrom. Do you remember that number? I think it was about 21, if I remember correctly. So he's at 23 starts, potentially 24 Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks, 27 games played in total. So you're right at that number where you wanted him. And let's not forget, you should have confidence in Dan Vladari. Tied a franchise record for an unbeaten streak earlier this year. Why wouldn't you have confidence? And the numbers aren't glaring. They're not... Oh my goodness, how are you not starting this guy because he has a 930 save percentage this season? But he's found a way to win more often than not when he's been in the net. So yeah. there's a comfort level going yeah. to Vladar, but Markstrom, to me, is your guy. few texts on this topic at 969.60. This says, if the Flames do make the playoffs, it means their goaltending's been good. It'll have to be. If they do make the playoffs, everything changes, and who knows, the goalies might be world beaters. That comes from Christian in Calgary. Trevor, I asked, how are you feeling about goaltending? He says, very, very, very nervous. There seems to be no consistency. Uh, Dylan in Revy says, as far as Calgary's goaltending is concerned, it's brutal. I know Markstrom will get back to 9-10 next year, but Markstrom and Vladar are both shirt for the year, in my opinion. That's Um, how you're going to fix that one. Okay. This says, not feeling too good, Patrick. Goaltending has been the weakest link all season and still continues to be at this very moment. If the Flames manage to accomplish the improbable feat of getting to the dance, it could be a waste of eight eight days if they have to face the Avs or the Oilers. That's from Mike. Uh, This says, um, okay, the excuses, fatigue, I've got it. Uh, This says, this isn't Kipper or Quick. Daryl needs to see that overplaying your goalie doesn't work. 
And finally, uh, oh no, a couple more. This says uh, if the Flames lose to the Blackhawks Tuesday, it's regardless of, or it's irregardless of who's in net and on the rest of the team. So I'm with you. You're playing Vladar and letting Markstrom prep for the Jets on Wednesday. That's from Jay in Silverado. And this one's interesting. I've seen it a few times, even going back to Sunday after the game on our post-game Flames talk. Pat, what about giving Markstrom a full day off on Tuesday and letting Wolf back up Vladar? To me, that's a non-starter only because the Calgary Wranglers have their most important re, uh, remaining regular season game Wednesday against Coachella Valley. The Wranglers are fighting tooth and nail with Coachella Valley for top spot in the Pacific Division and thus a buy into round two of the playoffs. I don't think you're taking Wolf away from the Wranglers at all. I, I think Markstrom can get just as much rest sitting on the bench and watching Vladar if you decide to go that way against the Blackhawks on Tuesday. So, no, I am not taking Wolf away from the Wranglers. Their games are still meaningful. You know Wolf is st- slated to start against Coachella Valley on Wednesday. Currently, there are two points separating the two teams. So, to me, that's a non-starter. Coachella has one game in hand on that, too. They're basically fighting for home ice throughout, too, are they yeah, not? they sure so, are. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great thing to have in your back pocket for your team heading into the AHL playoffs, Calder Cup playoffs. Home ice the whole way through, that's pretty valuable. Much more so than having Dustin Wolf sit on your bench for 60 minutes. Yeah. And again, like I, I get the sentiment of just giving Markstrom the full day off. I just don't think you need to do that. In this situation, a uh, couple more things as we continue along. Text line remains open at 96960. Uh, this does say, are we handing the Flames two points against the Hawks? I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be scared, but they don't like to make things easy on themselves, which is true. Um, they Very really fair. don't. Making things easy on themselves has been the antithesis of the Calgary Flames so far this year. I do think. I don't know if it's a worry for me that they're going to take Chicago too lightly or look past them because Winnipeg's on Wednesday. I just know that there's still humans that play the sport. And you know how big Wednesday's game is against the Jets. So what I think going out of your way to make sure that your focus is strong against Chicago might be something you need to do. And, and, I don't think Daryl is naive to that. I don't think the veteran, I don't think any player in the room is naive to the situation. So I actually am feeling pretty confident that they won't overlook Chicago and they won't take them lightly, but you just know how crucial it is to get those two points. Like we're, we're basically looking them at looking at them as gimme points, but the flames, despite looking at the standings and looking at what's ahead on Wednesday, there can be no mention of the word gimme when it comes to how Calgary's approaching it. No, and let, just to lay out the facts, Chicago's last in the NHL. They're 32nd overall, yet Calgary's taken just one of four points against the Blackhawks this season. Now, granted, this is a Patrick Kane-less Chicago Blackhawks. This is a Max Domi-less Chicago Blackhawks, but you still have to play the game. And we heard on Saturday... When asking Blake Coleman, when asking Jonathan Huberto, when asking Michael Backlund, hey, how about that Wednesday game? Well, it doesn't matter if they don't take care of Sunday and Tuesday, yeah, was the answer. So they're very well aware of, regardless of opponent coming through, they needed Sunday, they got it. They need Tuesday, we'll see if they get it. Then they'll worry about Winnipeg on Wednesday. Um, 
Do you make any other lineup changes? So if we're assuming Vladar starts on Tuesday against Chicago, do you do anything else? Because Daryl juggled things up a little bit, bumped Coleman down to the Lewis line, moved Dubé up to the Lindholm line, Manjapani all of a sudden was moved to the Kadri line. Like there was some definite juggling going on. A doer was moved to the Backland line. So everything, the right wingers basically got shuffled in the game against Anaheim. I think that was more for a spark. Yeah. I think that was more for an in-game thing only and not a long-term thing. My anticipation is that everything looks the same and looks the way things started against Anaheim for the Chicago game, but I, I, I don't know for sure, but that's my anticipation and my guess. And I still think there is reason to get Pelche in. But I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I just, I think Pelche and Coronado and Ruzicka and Gilbert are kind of, as it stands right now, extra players for him. As, as much the, the as taxi squad, kind of, that's kind of what it feels like right now. I think, I think there is a significant argument to be made that if you're not going to put Pelche back in, then after these games in California that the Wranglers have, sending Pelche to Vancouver and letting him get into some or all of those three games against Abbotsford to finish the year for the Wranglers. They play three straight against the Abbotsford Canucks to finish the year. I think there's definitely a conversation to have about sending him there and letting him get into games. And and maybe if you need him come playoff time, you bring him back in. But I, I do think that becomes valid very, very quickly. But for right now, I'm not anticipating anything to change. And you know what? They've won four in a row, and Richie scored a big goal. Lucic scored a big goal. Stone scored a big goal. I kind of get why they wouldn't make a lot of changes, and I'm not anticipating any for either. Skater-wise, short of Tanev coming back, and I don't know how close that is, I'm not anticipating much. No, I think your 12 forwards and your six defensemen are going to be the same configuration. We talked about the goaltending already. We both sort of agree and or anticipate that it'll be Dan Vladar. The only thing I could see is a shuffling of the right wingers, as you mentioned, but I'm even of the mind that they'll just reset and go back to what they had entering the game Sunday versus Anaheim. I mean, you said it. They won four straight. Their recipe for success has been what they've been rolling out of late. I don't see the scenario when you go, oh, this is the time to take out Milan Lucic or this is the time to take out Nick Ritchie. Both scored goals. This isn't, you're not bringing Michael Stone out of the lineup after getting him back in after missing 20 because of injury. I think you're going to see the same 12 forwards, the same six defensemen. I just don't know necessarily what the configuration is up front. And again, if game 82 doesn't mean anything, clinched or eliminated? Pelche, Coronado, Ruzicka. I think we will see Matt Coronado's NHL debut then. And it'll be neat. It'll be a fun, cool story. You almost, if you're if you're hoping for the playoffs, though, you're almost you're almost hoping that you don't see Coronado. As much as we want to see him, you almost are like, ah, well, if they're putting Coronado in, it means that there's nothing to play for. Unless you hit a knock wood rash of injuries, and exactly. I imagine he's potentially the third guy to go in from those three as well, based on experience and track record with Daryl. Yeah, it's gonna be. I, I don't anticipate much change but we'll see Tuesday morning we're uh, looking at a full morning skate so we'll have a pretty good idea as to what things are going to look like and just as we uh, wrap things up before we get to Mitch Love the head coach of the Wranglers who will join us uh, in just a few minutes here on this hour of Flames Talk just a little bit more Tyler Toffoli appreciation Uh, it's like a monthly or bi-weekly thing that we do this and why not eight goals 16 points in 15 games in March how about the way he closed March 
I think his first goal against Vancouver is only slightly less important than his second goal against Vancouver. The second goal, of course, was the overtime winner, so that's going to be the most important goal scored. But I don't know what happens if Vancouver has a little bit more time to breathe on that 2 nothing lead because it had, what, it was about a minute and a half, a little bit more than a minute and a half after that Toffoli scores to make it 2-1 on Friday night. I don't know if that ha- I don't know if the Flames come back to win that game if that doesn't happen. You're like, well, of course uh, they have to score. No, I'm saying the timing of the goal, the type of goal, who scored it, his reaction. I think that that really sparked the Flames. And I just looked at how Toffoli reacted and how the team reacted. It kind of changed everything, even though they fell down a couple more times. That Toffoli goal to make it 2-1, one of the bigger goals of the season. I really do believe that. So he finished the month with two goals, massive goals against Vancouver, 16 points in 15 games in March, and then he pops off with two assists to start April on Sunday. This run, where would this team be without Tyler Toffoli? This guy at times feels like he has been single-handedly keeping the Flames in the playoff race and dragging them closer to Winnipeg. I, I give this guy a lot of credit. MVP, like if you had had to give a heart trophy to a member of the Calgary Flames, to me, I think he'd be your front runner. You need your best players to be your best players at this time of year. You mentioned his March. So overall, since then, including the Anaheim game, eight goals, 10 points, eight, eight points. goals, 10 assists, 18 points, In plus nine. Games. Yeah, it's been incredible. And I was surprised he's only got a couple of game winners in that stretch, but I wonder, and I don't have the stat in front of me, and I don't know if you have a quick reference for it, but it seems like his goals are always either game winners or game tires. They're momentum swinging goals. And no surprise, Tyler Toffoli again, this time of year, down the stretch and into the playoffs. Your best players need to be your best players. For my money, he's been Calgary's best forward this season from game one to game 77. It's him or Backlund. It's it's one of those two guys. And they've been consistent. They've been impact makers. They have done exactly what has been asked of them and more. And it is glaring when one of those guys has an off night. And Toffoli's had two or three. Backlund had an off night, for instance, against Vancouver on Friday. They, it is so glaring when one of Michael Backlund or Tyler Toffoli is off because of how good they've been this year. And probably just because he leads the team in scoring with 73, I'd lean Toffoli slightly over Backlund in terms of MVP this okay. year, but it's close. For a team starved of offense... To have 33 goals and 73 points from Toffoli having a career year at the age of 31, 32, whatever he is, I lean slightly towards him just because of how challenged for offense the group's been this season. Tip of the cap to Tyler Toffoli for what he's been able to do with the Calgary Flames this year as the top line right winger after the organization lost its top two point producers. One other guy that we're mentioning, missing Rasmus Anderson. Text line points it out. I'd agree. That's fair too. Rasmus Anderson on the back has been huge for him. And again, where would they be without some of that offense and his power play contributions? He's been the power play one guy all year long and is really growing into that role as well. So I think Rasmus is a a good choice as well. Vickers. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. He's the first Flames defenseman to have back-to-back 50-point seasons in quite some time. I remember the stat from Sunday night. I can't remember if it was Dion Phaneuf or it was someone else, but it's been 
It's been a minute since the Calgary uh, Calgary Flames defenseman has put up back-to-back 50-point season. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey on this Monday for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. Pat Steinberg along with you as we continue along this hour. And it's time for our weekly check-in with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Mitch Love joins us right now uh, since our last chat with Coach Love. Wranglers have taken 5-3 and 5-1 wins over the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, Calgary now 10-0-1 going into their final six-game stretch, six straight on the road before the postseason for the Calgary Wranglers. Let's say say hello to the coach right now. Mitch joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Hello, coach. How are we doing today? I'm doing all right, Pat. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Doing well. Good to have you, as always. Are you you still in Calgary or are uh, are you in California? We are, yeah. You know what? We're uh, we're taking off tomorrow morning down to Palm Springs, and uh, you know we've had a couple of good uh, work days here at over at Windsport. And, uh, guys are excited for for the challenge that uh, is presented our way on Wednesday night going into Coachella Valley. Yeah, well, and and I would imagine that you're liking the way the group played last week. Two wins over Henderson, your final two home games of the regular season. Uh, tell us about those uh, two wins for your group Wednesday and Friday. Well, I can tell you it feels good to actually talk about uh, a couple <laughs> wins against Henderson in this conversation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no, you know what? Our guys played some really solid hockey last week uh, against them. Um, we, you know, we could see, uh, you know, over the two games that we had a lot of purpose and a lot of emotion uh, invested in those two hockey games, uh, knowing that, you know, they were a team that's uh, played us hard all year. Um, really haven't given us much, and, and we needed the points to kind of, uh, you know, keep ourselves in the conversation here for first place in the division, headed into a big game on Wednesday, and, uh, and you know, ultimately uh, six straight road games on uh, to finish off the regular season. So it was big. It was it was great. The crowds were unbelievable at, at the Dome uh, for those two games, and, um, you know, we played some really good hockey. Yeah, the uh, final two home games of the regular season, you send your home fans off with a couple of wins and uh, keep them absolutely geared for the playoffs. That uh, that must have been pretty cool to finish off those two games on home ice. You had over 7,000 in there on the Friday afternoon game. Must have been cool to, to finish that off with uh, a couple of wins for your home crowd. Yeah, it was. I mean, our, our guys, you know, you know, if you look at it over the last couple months here, really – you know, fed off of the, our home crowd, and you know they've been they've been growing in, in uh, size here uh, over the last month, especially. Uh, and and our guys they they enjoy that. Uh, it's you know you can see that there there's been a little bit of interest generated by you know the strength of the season that the teams had and locally, and um, you know our, our guys really feed off of that. And so you know we're again obviously now not. Uh, you know, having a home game until game one of the playoffs, whether that's the first round or, you know, or the second round. And, 
And uh, but our guys will be excited to get back on home ice and play in front of our good uh, loyal fan base. Well, and and part of whether it's round one or round two will uh, certainly be decided on Wednesday when you're into Coachella Valley. I, I asked you this the last time you played a one-off game against them. It was also in Palm Springs, and asked you know because you've been fighting for first place with them uh, for the better part of the season here, Mitch. And I asked you, does that game have a big feel? And now with only six games to go and your last regular season game against the Firebirds, how, how much of a big game field is Wednesday's showdown against them have for you? Well, I think uh, I think a lot. I mean, I you know our guys probably had this game circled on their calendars for a bit, knowing that, you know, potentially we're going to be tied in points and, and tied with games played, uh, you know, for that game on Wednesday. And, you know, I would say the last time we were in there, uh, just shy of a month ago, um, you know, we, we came out with the victory. We, we played a, a solid road game, but I, I, you know, we were kind of reeling as a team at that point, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of our performance, uh, you know, we weren't we weren't winning many hockey games. We were um, really struggling, and and you know that was a big win for us. But I I still didn't feel like we played our best hockey, even though we found the victory. I think we're gonna we're gonna need to be close to our best, if not our best, on Wednesday to you know go into that building and, and try to get that win. And you know, I I think in terms of where we finish, whether we do finish first or second, that's gonna be an important hockey game. Um, you know, with both of us having five games left after that, and, uh, you know, us spending, uh, you know, the rest of that on the road, and, and then I believe having four of those five at home. So uh, it's going to be big, but at the end of the day, we want to focus on ourselves and, and, you know, our play and, you know, what what we've done well here of late um, in terms of finding points in the standings and, and try to play with some confidence. With Mitch Love, our weekly chat with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers joins us here on Flames Talk on a Monday. Uh, just looking at your schedule and and how you finish out the year, all six on the road. You you still are fighting for first place, but you're also you know wanting to make sure that you're in the best possible place, energy wise, rest wise, performance wise for the postseason. I'm I'm curious how maybe even last year and, and some of the lessons you might've learned or some of the things you might've learned down the stretch last year. What's, what's the philosophy? How do you go about managing energy levels, managing rest levels, when to practice, when not to practice, when to bring guys out, when to play them. I'm I'm curious as to how you go about that in the final six games here. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good question, Pat. I mean, I, I think right now, um, you know, our, our guys, you know, I've been asked this question a few times here of late in, in terms of, you know, the importance of finishing first in our division versus, like you mentioned, you know, finding the time to, to rest some, maybe your, maybe your regular guys um, for the bigger goal, which is obviously the Calder Cup playoffs. And um, it's hard because, you know what, we're, we're, we've got six games remaining. We're right there. It, it, this might come down to the final weekend of the regular season. Yeah. Um, to see where we're at. Um, the the one thing I, I would say to that uh, here is, is we've been able to really utilize our depth as a team here over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, whether that's kind of rolling four lines uh, and getting contributions from guys up there or, or, or six defensemen, um, along with maybe some guys coming in and out of our lineup. I know last week we played 11 and 7. Um, and then obviously utilizing both our goalies uh, who we feel very confident with. So I think it's a bit of a balancing act. Um, 
you know, we don't have a ton of extra bodies around right now. We're, yeah. we're at 15 forwards, you know, eight defensemen and, and three goalies. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll kind of take it game by game basis on where we're at uh, in the standings and, and obviously, you know, making sure guys are, are sharp uh, also headed into the playoffs because, you know, if you, if you're able to get that, that first round by it's, you're looking at potentially, you know, eight, nine, 10 days off before you're playing your first playoff game. So, you know, there's maybe a little bit of time there uh, for guys to get, uh, you know, some rest mentally and physically before starting playoffs. The other one I wanted to ask you about your remaining schedule, you know, you take a look at the way it ends. So you go Coachella Valley, two in San Diego, and then you're into the lower mainland and you play Abbotsford three straight uh, just outside of Vancouver. I, I That's actually got to be, I, I was thinking about this, as you're getting ready for the playoffs to play three straight games against a team that you could end up facing at some point in the AHL playoffs and a team that's played you really tough this year to finish your regular season with three straight and kind of a, a real playoff feel. That is is that maybe a blessing in disguise for your group to to give you close to a playoff feel right before it gets going for real? I think so. Um, you know, we 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 went through a three game set and four nights uh, earlier in the season in Abbotsford, and I could tell you that those were some really uh, really good hockey games. Um, you know, there was a lot of motion. You could kind of sense a little bit of the rivalry. Obviously, you know, the Canucks, the Flames rivalry. Um, you know, uh, the building was, was full in all three games. So, you know, I think those are going to be a real good test for us. Uh, they're a really good hockey team. I, you know, they've, they've had a lot of movement this year with, with players going up and down with, with the Canucks. Um, but, you know, I think those will be important games for us in terms of us getting prepared for playoffs and, and no, no different to them as well. So, um, you know, I think we'll cross that bridge when we come to it once we get there. But uh, it's an exciting place to play, and, and uh, they've played us tough all year down there. Wanted to ask you about a couple of uh, individuals like we always do, and, and I can't not ask you about the guy who kind of took over the weekend for you, and or last week for you, rather, and that's Adam Klapka. Had four goals in those two games against Henderson, including that hat trick, his first uh, pro hat trick. Just and I, I know Wes has asked you about him in our chats over the last number of weeks, but now that you you see him go off for four and have that real big offensive explosion, almost done his first full year in North America, dating all the way back to when you had him in Penticton at the Young Stars Classic. How would you uh, how would you evaluate? How would you observe how Adam Klapka has adjusted to playing over here? Well, I've seen some growth to his game. There's no doubt about that. Um... You know, he's a unique, uh, unique individual in the sense that, you know, for such a big man, he moves pretty well. Um, he's got a nice set of hands on him uh, when he has the hockey puck, and and then he's got a little bit of that element of of you know physicality to his game that, and and willingness uh, to get involved physically. I, you know, um, over the last month, I've really seen a, a, a big step to his game, which is a, obviously a, a real encouraging sign for for him and, and us as a team in terms of, you know, the, the depth that we have and the growth that we have in some of our players this year. And, he, you know, he, he's been a big part of that. Um, you know, it's always nice for a guy like him to get rewarded like he did. Um, you know, he's a, when he's playing the game north and south and he's physical and he's stopping at the net, so he's a big part of our power play. 
um, success here over the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's always nice to see a, a young man playing with confidence, doing the things the right way. What what's important for him going forward? You talk about the the package that he brings with that size and some nice skill. What what's important for him as he moves forward here to become an, an even more impactful guy, knowing kind of the, the God given gifts that he brings to the table? Well, I think just um you know, processing the game both offensively and defensively, you know, quicker. Um uh, you know, your puck plays, that next play mentality, seeing, seeing you know, what's available to you before you get pucks. Um, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a bigger step even going to the next level. And and then just understanding what your identity is as a hockey player. And, he, you know, again, when he's in on the forecheck, he's got a stick that seems like it's about 10 feet long. Um, so he does a good job in terms of turning pucks over and he's physical. Um, and then just going going to the net, and, and you know he's a tough man to move. Um, he's got a nice set of hands, like I mentioned, that he has the ability to finish finish plays with his shot and his hands there. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And then obviously your play away from the puck. I think for any young player, um, especially coming maybe from Europe, uh, where you know to, to North American ice where things happen a little bit quicker, being in the right spots and 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 knowing your assignments there, that'll be big for him as he grows as a, as a hockey player for this organization. And last question for you. You go into your final six games, then into the postseason. You had some turnover this year when it comes to Stockton to Calgary, when it comes to some of your veteran guys, you know, some of the, the vets you had last year, uh, whether it was Fraze or Gravel or some of the other names that, that played big parts for you as veteran pros on the team last year move on. You bring in some new faces, whether it's Jones or Brett Sutter. I, I'm just curious how how confident you are in that leadership group, that veteran group, and and how important, how unsung they're going to be for you going into this year's playoffs. Well, it'll be huge. Uh, I think if you look at any any good hockey team, they got good leaders, and uh, we're real fortunate to to obviously you know you got you know led by Brett Sutter. Um, you know, he's, he's had a really good hockey season for us. Um, you know, when, when he's doing the right things, guys can't not but follow suit to, to his performance and his care level and character for our hockey team. And Matthew Phillips is assistant captain. Um, you know, we talked about him time and time again, what he provides our team, Nick DeSimone. Um, he's another guy that uh, is playing good hockey of late and, and has been solid for us all year. And then, you know, your leadership group, you know, we got Ben Jones, uh, Colton Pullman, um, Clark Bishop, uh, Alex Galanta. All these guys have played in this league, played in the National Hockey League for a long, long time. Uh, been part of winning programs. Um, they've been very vital for our success this year as a team, and and they they're all, they're all guys that kind of drag people into the fight. And I think that's what you're looking for this time of year and into the playoffs. And uh, you know, I, we're, we're very confident with our leadership group. Uh, they don't seem to be, get, get phased by much because they're, they're a very mature uh, group of young men, and, and that's going to be key uh, this time of year and into the playoffs if you want to have a long playoff run, and we're hoping to do so with that group. Mitch, appreciate the time. As always, my friend, fly safe to Palm Springs. Good luck this week, and uh, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Pat. He's Mitch Love. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers.
10-0-1 in their last 11 games. They've got a massive game Wednesday against Coachella Valley. Biggest game of the year for the Wranglers. Biggest game of the year Wednesday for the Flames. Uh, big day for the uh, Flames in their system Wednesday. And Mitch joins us Mondays. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. No more regular season home games for the Wranglers, but playoff home games still to come. Get out there, support this team. They are a lot of fun to watch, and they've got legitimate eyes on the Calder Cup in 2023. Absolute blend of seeing what the future might hold for the Calgary Flames while still enjoying some really, really high-level hockey. Calgary Wranglers, check them out. Playoff hockey coming to the Salad Dome. Thank you, Vicks. Thank you. Aaron Vickers, Taylor Dingman, Cameron Hughes. For Mitch Love, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. This hour's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.